all authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Hello, authors. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with Australian horror and spec fiction writer Pauline Yates. And Pauline shares with us how she got started writing in the horror genre, what scenes and conventions fans of horror expect in horror writing, and her tips for authors looking to get started writing horror. So in my author adventure this past week, work on my horror feature script has begun, but I'm not sure whether I'm going to actually make the Monday deadline for the competition or not. I've still got a long way to go and realistically I think I started too late. (laughs) I should maybe have given this project a month over say two weeks because two weeks would probably have been enough to get the writing done, working on it and it alone solidly for two weeks, not factoring in other commitments which of course are my kids and domestic needs and, and everything else. But as always, I'm optimistic. I usually work better under pressure and with tight deadlines and sometimes these things just come together. But if they don't, they don't. It's not wasted time. It might be again something started and ready to be picked up next year and as that can be the case for a lot of my work, sometimes I'm quite early with it and it needs to just chill. (laughs) It's all learning and how you work and working with that. So bear that in mind if there's projects, you know, you're trying to pump out and you're just either hitting a wall or you're running out of time or anything like that. Rather than stress, just accept it for what it is. It's it's emerging and it might not be the right time. Some good news is I have sent through the majority of what needed to go to the web designer. So that should be one set of jobs, you know, ticked off my list. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that all come together. What was really cool about getting the material to her was the work with me matter in particular and that gave me a chance to you know reflect and go back and view past experience and realize that I've done a lot in this field and in past positions which all ties together into this career that you know I'm paving for myself and it was nice and it made me quite excited for the kind of sessions and workshops and things I'm going to be utilizing my experience and you know offering next year so I'll share with you some of these in the coming weeks. What I have been noticing is that I'm craving just wrapping everything up which needs to be done, setting up systems and positioning myself for a smoother working process next year. And just being, like I said last time on the podcast, just being ahead of the game rather than behind it, that will make my life a whole lot easier. And yeah, I'm in the process of of kind of working through that. I have been feeling also that I'm very excited for just some, some time off at the end of the year. We've got a caravan trip booked and I'm looking forward to just selecting some books to read and, you know, switching off from everything and spending, having fun, making memories with my family and yeah, really just, just having some downtime and 
just relaxing and some good times. So yes, I'm also feeling like I want to have some fun lately. I feel like it's maybe, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's just been a lot of work. Uh, it's Halloween obviously approaching and we've got a Halloween party this weekend, which I'm very excited for. I hit the secondhand stores this afternoon and I found this amazing jacket and sort of top and dress thing and I'm going as the Countess from American Horror Story who was played by Lady Gaga and I think that was season six of the hotel so I can't wait to dress up as her and uh, really just have some fun. The kids kids get into it as well and uh, do all the trick-or-treating and yeah some of the houses in my neighbourhood have been decorated for weeks and weeks so I better you know do what I do which is just uh, I make my house look like a face <laughs> which is really easy it's just a couple of eyebrows over the, the front windows and a couple of um, bits of paper to make it look the windows like eyebrow um, eyeballs so like it's like it's an angry face and that's all about all I'm doing now so we used to have loads of bushes that my husband uh, has now pulled out and planted flowers instead so we would decorate those with cobwebs but I'm not going to decorate the nice flowers so <laughs> So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Links to that are in the show notes and on, you know, website and wherever. Or you can leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on to help other writers like you discover the podcast. Let's all support each other. That's enough from me. Let's crack on with the episode. Pauline Yates lives in Queensland, Australia, and writes horror and dark speculative fiction. She's an Australian Shadows Award short fiction finalist, Australian Horror Writers Association, AHWA short story winner, and is translated with Riflessi di Lucy Lenar Rill in Italy. Her short stories appear or are forthcoming in anthologies and magazines, including Black Hair Press, Midnight Echo, IFWG Publishing, Pseudopod, Metaphorosis, plus others. She's a member of the AHWA and Horror Writers Association, HWA. When not writing, which rarely happens because thinking about her stories is the same thing, she enjoys enticing native wildlife into her garden and taking photos of the sunrise. If she wakes up on time. Welcome to the Hybrid <laughs> Author Podcast, Pauline. <laughs> Thank you, Joanna. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're so excited to have you and learn all about horror. Just can't wait to dive in so please tell us you you know you've obviously had works published and tell us about your work and you know how you came to write in the horror genre oh goodness me okay well I've loved horror I've uh horror and ghost stories and I'm of an age where I grew up on a diet of Stephen King novels you know the the misery the shining the pet cemetery it Cujo I loved all those stories the thing I love about Stephen King is that he just brings you into his world he creates these worlds and just you just get immersed in it and they're always usually dark and something a bit you know spooky going on there and of course you know he's he's a god of horror oh, how can you not love him so that was what I grew up with certainly I, I do actually remember thinking back in my 20s thinking I want to be a good horror writer just like him you know but it took another 20 years before I actually started writing I've only really started writing in the last 10 years 
because I, you know, I had kids and got married and had a job and we did, you know, pony club and horse riding and all that sort of stuff. There was no time to write. <laughs> Quite different from horror pony club. <laughs> Very different from horror. So, yeah, so look, once I did get back into writing, the first thing I did was write my novel, which I really wanted to write and that had been with me all my life. But in the process of writing my novel, I realised how much I actually needed to learn how to write. Okay, because my the writing's changed from when I grew up writing stories to now, like 20 years or 20, 30 years later, everything has changed. I mean, I grew up, I typed on a typewriter and now we use the internet and word pads and word docs to do everything. But the, the writing, the style of writing and grammar and everything has changed a lot too. Everything's a lot tighter. So I had to relearn a lot of stuff. And one of the things how I did that was actually writing short stories. I was introduced to the NYC uh, Midnight Writing Challenges, which is a uh, writing competition they run various events throughout the year and you know they do that over a timed like a period of time like for example the short story competition the first round will be run over a week and you've got seven days to write a 2,500 word story with given prompts and you're all put into groups and everything and you write to those prompts if you get through that round like if you're in the top five stories you move through the semi-finals and then it's I think 2,000 words in three days and then the final is 15 1500 words I think in one day I've been in a final before that is the most intense experience (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do any good in the final but I did it you know if like oh my goodness (laughs) you're done yeah yeah so look that was the short story and they also have the flash fiction and now they've brought more things in like a hundred word challenge and 250 word challenge and I'd see there's a new one out this year which is a rhyming story challenge which I'd love to do but I just simply at the moment do not have time to do every So when it came to the prompts, because you're given different prompts. Now, I have written everything from horror to sci-fi to drama to political satire to comedy to rom-com to spy stories, crime capers. Wow. Um, What else have I done? Suspense, mystery. (laughs) I think tapping into all of those really helped me define where my strengths were and my strengths have were in horror or anything dark. Although I do, I am a bit of a romantic at heart and I do love a romance, but the horror and the dark fiction was just right up my alley. So of course, that's where I started directing my work to the stories that I was writing. So it, it was, and it's only been in the last two years, I suppose, where I've really channeled all my energy into writing horror stories and, you know, they're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Getting published, yeah, getting paid for it, so it must yeah. be working. Yeah. The the first story which I, I I have written a lot of dark stories, but before this one, but the story that I won the short the short story competition with the Australian Horror Writers Association that was my first really big horror story, and I was absolutely stoked when I won that because I just thought I'll sit down and have a go. You know, I, I don't know how I'll do, but I'll have a go. I mean, what's what's worse that can happen? Nothing. I'll just hear nothing back, <laughs> and then I won it. And I thought, oh my god. <laughs> I was so happy with that. And that's the story that also got chosen. The Australian Horror Writers in partnership with Real and they they send over stories. Real collects all the winning stories from around the world and puts them in their anthology each year. So as a partnership kind of thing, they had to choose a story. It was either my story or the other winning because there's two categories, it's short story and the flash fiction. So they could choose one or two and mine was chosen, which was just like, oh, that's even better. Now I'm translating. 
it. <laughs> so, so this little story has taken me on a bit of a wild ride because from that, then it got selected for the preliminary ball- ballot in the Bram Stoker, which was just mind-blowing. And it also, well, I didn't go any further with that, and that was totally fine. <laughs> but then it also got me a finalist in the uh, Australian Shadows Awards. I was just so proud of that. So yeah, that one take took me on a on a nice little ride. So that's, that was the start of it. And then in between all of that, with other writing, I sort of fell in with the, uh, with another publisher, Black Hair Press, and they, they these guys are right up my alley. They are so me. And it was such a relief find a publisher that I really resonated with, with my work. They do a lot of uh, monthly Drabble challenges, which is like a hundred words. <laughs> Drabble's uh, only a hundred, writing a story in a hundred words is really challenging, but I'm so hooked on those. And I've got, <laughs> if you have a look on my website, you'll see all these publications, Black Hair Press, Black Hair Press, Black Hair Press. <laughs> like yeah. Every month I have a shot at it and I'm doing quite well so I just love it I love the challenge I read um on your website I think which might be one of these um ones that you're talking about oh gosh was it the zombie one with the the blood (laughs) I I can't remember what it was called yeah yeah it was just and it is um I I don't write in short mediums that much but just reading that it was fantastic and it just sort of gave me so much for how small it was (laughs) yeah thank you yeah how how, how to stop a zombie zombie apocalypse that yeah. theme was so that was fun we had uh, another prompt earlier in the year about zippers and uh, I wrote two for it and I couldn't decide between them one was a comedy and one was quite dark so I sent in the dark one to stick with the theme and I got that one published but then I also sent them this comedy one that's called pinch now it's about it's about a zipper it's from the perspective from the point of view of a zipper okay and it's dark and quite nasty but very funny so if you want something to read a little bit out there and just need a bit of a laugh yeah look up pinch okay. <laughs> um, i'll have to read that, that one sort of re- that kind of reveals my wicked sense of humor <laughs> i do like that you know to inject that into my stories so i guess from that point from the best medicine days you know doing all those travels i've just have just focused on writing better horror stories i still feel like i've got a lot to learn but i have spent a lot of this year doing a stack of reading just yeah. reading everything i can in that genre from a variety of authors and we're so lucky in australia we have got some brilliant horror writers uh at going at the moment i started just expanding i guess so uh, i can tell you more towards the end the things yeah. i've got Coming, coming out soon no. as a result from that, which I'm really happy about. Yeah. yeah, so that's where I'm at. That's how I've come to write horror. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So obviously from, you know, a love of the of horror, of the genre from your, you know, your early life and then through the years and then found it again and, and writing, which is great. The associations you're part of, did you join them first and then were sort of get, seeing opportunities and then doing the horror or were you just writing horror and you looked around to see where your people were at kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I started writing horror and I think it was through Twitter I came across the Horror Writers Association. Uh, I didn't know, but all this is all new to me still. I spent every day writing, but there is still so much of this world that I'm still learning about. But the Horror Writers Association was the, actually the first one. Even though that's overseas and I'm an Australian, a lot of my early earlier stories you know, are all based overseas. Actually, until recently, I, there isn't a lot of places where I can send stories in Australia, but there's huge markets overseas. I'm also very much an American writer. I blame that on Stephen King because he's an American writer and that's what I've 
grown up reading and when I started writing, I never even considered setting stories in Australia, even though I've never been to America. You know, does that make sense? So I guess he has had a huge influence on me there, but that was okay. It was easy for me. So I guess all my connections at that point, the editors that I chose to use are from America. The publications I chose to submit to were in America. And when I came across the Horror Writers Association, I thought, yep, they're in America too. So (laughs) So I actually signed up because uh, you have to have certain things published to get into some me- memberships at various levels. And I actually had achieved that, again, with the best medicine. Yeah, I, and I achieved the, a level that I could reach. And I thought, oh, well, okay, let's tap into this. So I did, I joined up them. Yeah, that's just like a wealth of information in there. So suddenly I'm I'm learning more about more opportunities, learning about more authors out there that I can follow and read their work and see what they're doing. Uh, we get the newsletters every month you know, it goes on. But from there also, then I realised, oh, hang on, (laughs) I can join the Australian Horror Writers Association. That's here too. And of course, I want to support our local industries here uh, as much as I can now that I feel like I'm sort of moving up a little bit. And so I joined up with them. I've been with them now for a couple of years. And yeah, so doing, I do the, the Shadows Awards uh, judging. So I've oh, judged right. it last yeah. judged last year and I'm judging it this year again. And that's that's really good as well, just to learn all these writers. So it's opening my eyes to all these writers that are here in Australia, right at our fingertips. That's just awesome, all of them. Everyone is so supportive. Yeah, the Australian group is such a supportive group if you are looking to get into the horror genre and one of those associations depending on where you're based here in australia or overseas you can't go wrong with either i write children's and young adult fiction so i'm part of squibby and i've heard of um, <clears throat> like the romance writers of australia and that. i hadn't actually ever thought about whether there would be a horror association either you know there's probably something for everyone but I, until you it's like the teacher arrives when the student's ready and it's very much that case in my case so being able to join these associations associations has been really good for my learning you yeah. know it's 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 a continual learning thing this writing gig so that's it <laughs> so from these associations like you said you're obviously getting information through uh, reading others works as well as newsletters and things like that have you done any courses can you take any writing courses through these sorry the you associations? Can. You, yes you can um the hwa has a lot of courses available throughout the year the ahwa also has they have more a mental mentorship program which I've almost nearly applied for this year but then (laughs) I thought I'm just not ready you know I'm not I haven't got anything big that I want to work on but I have heard reports from other people who have done it that it's just a fantastic experience so if you can ever get that chance to do that by all means apply for it there's yeah yeah, they just open your eyes to opportunities that you might not otherwise know about so being connected with these associations is really helpful yeah, yeah, that's it. And so I guess uh, like the writing courses are all focused around writing horror exactly rather than, say, storytelling. I suppose it's the same yeah, thing, isn't um, it? It yeah. depends. Look, it, you know, horror is so vast and I guess there's so many different areas. There's novels, there's short fiction, there's long fiction. I'm just I'm going off the yeah. things that are actually in the judging at the moment. There's okay. uh, anthologies, collective works and nonfiction. I'm really interested in the nonfiction at the moment. That's one of the ones that I'm judging and I've been reading a few uh, nonfiction articles coming through not only from this competition but from other 
from through the Horror Writers Association as well. And I'm finding it quite fascinating how, you know, what people talk about and the scope of information out there. It's quite it's quite interesting, actually. Well, is it like nonfiction and horror? Is yeah, that nonfiction that? relating yeah. to horror. Like real life yeah. horror, what people classify that as, I suppose. No, not real. No, no. More about, be more about how you go about writing horror or where ideas come for horror oh, okay. or how horror has developed throughout or developed over the years or changes because of changes in our life yeah things like that it's it can yeah. be really broad it's so broad and that's what I love about horror that you know the horror genre it is so broad you have certain things that you've got to do in a horror story but the ideas can be just so vast yeah. and it encompasses so many different things it can be real life it can be fantasy it can be supernatural it can be sci-fi you know and you can set it you can set your story in any of those other genres and turn it into a horror story. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> really cool. cool. <laughs> that is very cool. Is there certain types of horror like classified to make you kind of feel a certain way? Like, is this a thing as in horror is focused around violence, horror focused around gore or horror focused around, you know, just the chase or, or being scared, you know, is it that, is that well, the type of thing or is that more what you would call a trope or something that you would well, find in horror, certain horrors? Look, I think, I think, think yes all of those you can find in horror but you'll also find the quiet horror as well and I think if you have a look at if you ask the question what is horror it's not always about a maniac chasing you with a chainsaw and everyone getting cut up into pieces (laughs) the guts of horror is emotion and usually fear. So you can have a horror story that bases on one person and their fear of dying for whatever reason. And that's the fear that they have to fight. That's their battle. I mean, the essence of any horror story is someone is fighting for their life. It's not necessarily against the chainsaw wielding maniac. It yep. could be against your own personal demons. And whether you survive that, how you survive that depends whether you can overcome, you know, that fear, your personal. But another thing with horror is that yes you may win but you may lose you may lose a part of yourself somewhere you, you gotta sacrifice something there's always a sacrifice in horror. <laughs> you, know, you either lose a leg or lose your mind yeah <laughs> you know, or both <laughs> yeah that's what i mean like when horror is so vast yes it can be the chainsaw maniac you know chasing and cutting of bodies and whatever but it can also be a person locked in their room you know and not wanting to come outside because of something that that is stopping them uh, and that fear and they will either die alone in that room or they will get out, you know. So it's it's survival. Horror yeah, is about yeah. survival. How do you survive? What fears yeah. you? And, of course, it's always set in something, some creepy atmosphere, which helps. And that's what you're trying to create, a scary yeah. atmosphere. So you have your abandoned house or your creepy woods or, you know, the locked room where you're in there all by yourself or waking up in a coffin. You know, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love everything you just absolutely said there when we read horror or watch horror it, it's like emotional driven facing fear yeah and yeah. Uh, I suppose I've only ever read one of Stephen King's books and I think it was oh I can't even remember the title it was the one where they go into the shop that it's that shop and people are getting different uh, need, needful things yeah, yeah yeah and that was more obviously just you know your normal town sort of like eerie but it was what was happening I suppose to these people and their behavior I guess. Um, yeah. Well, it's been a long time since I read yeah. Needful Things. Yeah, there wasn't too much blood and gore in that, if any. I think, yeah, but it yeah. was more. It was more the that psychological Aspects, attack on people. Yeah. yeah, yeah yes, yeah. we had a devil type person who was 
um, stealing their souls or <laughs> if that is even what happened, I can't remember. <laughs> um, that was their battle with that. And yeah. the, the type of horror that I really love, and I'll take a, a movie example from this one. It's only recently on Netflix. It's called Midsummer, And yep. I don't know if you've seen it. I did, yeah. I love that. I didn't quite, I was trying to, I think there was so much more to it than I <laughs> took in. I did love it. I love that sort of horror where you start out with an innocent looking village and they're all doing their thing, all happy-go-lucky in nature and doing these nature pagany type, type rituals and stuff. And then people start dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually a pretty good example you've got of how horror should work. You've got two characters, you've got two characters, um, the boyfriend and the girlfriend, I can't recall their names. The boyfriend fought against it. He fought against what he saw as evil. The town didn't see it as evil. They were all quite brainwashed into the way that they thought was a natural life. So the so the evil, the horror, is actually comes from an outsider's perspective, which I think is important when you're writing stories. Is who sees it as horror? You've always got a protagonist and you've always got an antagonist, whatever those they, those things may be. One of them is going to see the other as horror, but the person who they think is committing the horror may think they're not doing anything wrong at all. You know, so really that's where the the point of view comes in important. How that protagonist views what's happening yeah. as whether it's it's horror or not so in that midsummer movie yeah the boyfriend or both boyfriend and the girlfriend saw it as oh my god what's going on here this is kind of horror he figured it out first he tried to fight against it he lost his life she kind of figured it out as well but she got a little bit sucked into it and she she shifted and became part of that town so she lived but she gave up that sane part of herself yeah. Okay, so that's what I mean when you you got to sacrifice something. That's what yeah. she sacrificed to live, but yeah. he wasn't prepared to sacrifice that he died yep. so I just thought they were good examples of yeah. how it can kind of you know what the outcome should be it's same as it, that kind of relates back to that needful things um, with Stephen King because I think yes they purchased items from this shop but they had to do something in return yeah. for it so and also it was setting someone up setting someone else up to yeah. not fail but obviously something bad happening and it's how far will you go I suppose for your for your own self but yeah so they're the, and they're the decisions that the protagonist has to make and that's what drives the story and setting it in the creepy towns yeah <laughs> that's it or yeah or the towns that become or in the towns that yeah. look perfectly normal you yeah. know like there's been a lot of reference to Shirley Jackson's The Lottery the short story The Lottery which she wrote you know multiple years ago and I've seen that referenced a lot lately and that's that again is another story that starts out and you think everything is totally fine and normal and then you get to the end and whack it's not <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I'll have to check that one out. I haven't heard of that one. So yeah, no, yeah. that's great. You know, tell us what are, we've obviously talked about horror and the genre and certain bits and things. What are some of the common tropes you might find in there that, you know, readers would pick up a horror and they'd expect a certain thing or, you know, what are some of the conventions and scenes in yeah, horror stories? I think when you're talking tropes, and I, I did make some notes here because there's so many, you'd expect if you came across things like a haunted house, a mad scientist, a vampire serial killer secret villages like we've just talked about as a reader you can expect that you're going to be 
read horror. But as a writer, those things have been done multiple times again, and it would get boring doing that again because it's the same. So yes, you can use those tropes because you need that to say to your reader, you are reading a horror, you are, you are about to read a horror story. Yes, here's my haunted house. And we, it's all dark and it's probably raining and you know your car's broken down. Yes, you can expect that this is not going to end well. But as... <laughs> <laughs> but as, as a writer, <laughs> as a writer, it's great as a starting point, but twist it up. Try and yes. twist it up and come up with a fresh idea. And that's what I'm always trying to do when I start on story. Okay, how can I make this different? And I'm sure a lot of other horror writers do the same thing. It's okay, we're starting with a haunted mansion. How can we do this different? Maybe it's yeah. not really a mansion. Maybe there's you know an asylum locked in here or something. Who knows? Yeah, you know, the ideas could be so vast. I think just expand on them. Yeah, play. Use them as as a starting point. I I haven't read a lot of horror, but I watch a lot because I actually... I don't know why the written word terrifies me more than viewing it, I suppose, on on a screen. But and I know screenwriting's different, but there was a movie that I absolutely loved recent well, it's it's not recent either, I don't think, called The Ritual. Have you seen that one? And what I I think what, I might have started yeah, watching what, that. What um what I really like about horror these days is storylines that they put in there. Like I was a massive yeah. fan of the American horror stories uh, series because of the stories that they told in each episode. You still had your goal so your eerie stuff happening and everything but it was what was happening the whole intertwined storyline between all yeah. the characters and I just absolutely loved that and in the ritual it was a group of guys there was an incident that happened between two of their friends which they were going on a lad's holiday they've ended up in the Swedish hills because that guy died in a, a, a mugging or something um, and one of, one, yeah one of them was a mess or something but they played with you in a bit that you thought with the characters they obviously had conflict between themselves over their friend's death and you kind of felt Felt like this was this was the one that was gonna end up dead or the person the, the main character who he was left with out of the friends that was the yeah. shock because you you just thought that person was going to be the first one to go and then no yeah. he, he was actually the last one and last one. um yeah, yeah yeah it was really really different so I, I do like that I like how that yeah well listening is. to you there you're just touching on what's necessary in any story and that is connecting the reader with the characters mm. you've got to bring your characters to life in any story not just horror in any story and if you can if then that's the challenge that as a writer we all face is is connecting the reader to our characters and making them care about that character you know we we want them we know they're going to have something horrible happen to them and we are rooting for them saying you know you can do this i need and it's almost you need them to win this you know and that's where that's where the emotion comes in when you're in when you get invested in those characters then that horror aspect and all these horrible things that happen to them then you you start getting that horror uh, flowing through you because you are invested in that character and that's that's the guts of it that's yeah, what we try yeah. to do when we sit down at the type at the typewriter and write a story and saying I need you to love my character so it hurts you as badly as it hurts them you know because I grew up with the likes of Scream uh, fri- remakes of Friday the 13th Camp Crystal Lake which was really there was a storyline but it's always the like you said the psycho killer drowned or whatever and then there was <laughs> Yeah. The mad, the, always the mad mother that comes back to <laughs> you know revenge on her bloody son where's the mad father <laughs> yeah yeah um and really it's just about people getting picked off one by one so i really felt like with the horror that i grew up with uh, stephen king aside because he was different that was it there was like a, always just a mad person killing people off so I yeah do, do yeah think and- that's 
what's changed I guess like nowadays yeah they're popular in movies and they I think there was what one that just came out again Halloween ends again I, I haven't actually watched any of the Halloween movies or if I did I can't remember them it's very difficult for me to watch horror movies now at home I've got an older boy who I don't want to traumatize just at yeah. the moment <laughs> and so if I do watch something it's very late at night by myself and with the yeah. subtitles on <laughs> <laughs> which is probably when you're supposed to watch it isn't it with the, the you know the yeah. light out in the dark yeah probably <laughs> Maybe not with subtitles. So, yes, I'm probably not up to speed with a lot of, um, so I did get that Midsummer Nights one in. Um, there yeah. was another one that I read about a guy who was living with his family. I can't remember the name of it, but he was living with his family and it turned out that he was, his family was dead. They were ghosts. Was it more horror and more, psych- it was more kind of like more psychological horror? I, I quite like that. Not Again. so much blood. Not yeah, again. I, away, yeah, not. I'm not. Different types, look, to be honest, yeah. I'm not really big on the slasher type movies. Not yeah. those movies like Saw and stuff. Uh, I actually think those stories are real and someone's filmed them and then they turn it into a movie. So oh, I can't watch them because <laughs> yeah. I think they're real. <laughs> I, I yeah. I, I'm myself. I'm not really. I I can't stand the violence um, yeah. of some things and and that gory stuff's not really my deal. But again, with them, they did something that no one had done before. I guess which was really clever. Ever, like with their first one there was a vampire movie i watched maybe last year uh red sky or something uh was recommended that and i thought oh, i don't particularly like vampire stories but this one actually refreshed my love for vampires because it was yeah. i just thought it was done so well she was a real yeah. vampire and she but she was trying to do the right thing and she had this daughter who was i think she was going on a plane flying overseas to try and get treatment for her condition her being a vampire as <laughs> <that was> possible <laughs> Oh, is it? Um, was that? Oh no, Red Skies. I was going to say that Red Santa yeah, Clara diet. I can't remember the call of it, but I thought that was really good. It was quite realistic, <laughs> and you really did feel for the character being a yeah. vampire. Uh, I, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess back to the writing of horror rather than I, I could go off on a movie tangent because I, I do love yeah. movies, especially horror well, ones. Do, but it would be yeah, different well, from they're, books. They're good to analyze. Mm-hmm. Movies are, are easier to analyze than stories. So, if you're looking to learn about how to write horror, yeah, movies are a good one to draw from because it's all there. It's very visual. You can see how it all plays out. And then, okay, they did this or they did that or whatever. Yeah, it's, movies just make it easier somehow. But when, when you're actually starting to write and you've got to describe that, then, yeah, it's good mm. to to read as much as you can and see how see how the really good writers pull a scene together. Do you, know, you have books you, um, you recommend that have, you've read and you've thought, wow, yeah, that's the... I, look, right? I, I always hate to name names oh, okay. because, yep. <laughs> because I hate to forget somebody. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Favoritism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's I always had, but I think I, I think, and I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning him here, but I think um, the president of our uh, our Australian Horror Writers Association, Alan Baxter, um, look, he's being described as the next Stephen King. I've wow. read his work. I've read his work. He's a brilliant writer. He's very dynamic in the industry. Look, I think Stephen King can maybe go and retire because Alan's moving <laughs> up. I, I wish him all the best because he's he's putting out some really good work so if you were yeah. new to the industry and wondering how do I go about writing horror how do yeah. I how do I pull it all together then he would be one that I would recommend yeah so it's it's uh, I think Australia should be quite proud 
that we have our own horror god. Yeah, fabulous. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to check him out. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, what what do you have some more tips for authors who are looking to write in the horror genre? Any sort of well, do's and don'ts? Or... Then not leave Alan all there by himself. And I all right, sorry. To... <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want to leave lady writers out there as well. But we've got across the ditch in New Zealand. New Zealand's often pulled in with Australia because we're so close. Yeah. We're all. You know, we're all buddies here. Lee Murray's my top pick on there. She just won the um, Graham Stoker for a short story just recently. Her poetry books have won both Graham's. I think won Graham Stoker. I don't quote me on that one. Um, But she won the Australian Shadows Awards last year with that. And she's brilliant poet partners in that. Yeah, if you were looking for another style of writing, she'd definitely be a top pick and that I think I should stop there just with those two because honestly I do have other names there but I will forget other important people yeah <laughs> really, no, that's, you know, that's great yeah I have there, there are so many but if you you know you join these associations these names will crop up and you'll start mm-hmm. finding the ones that you like yeah. and that resonate with you those two have resonated with me and there will be others there are just so many but we're really lucky horror is very strong here in mm-hmm. Australia and we're yeah. doing really well on the world map I think thanks to these two people it's very exciting <laughs> that is good now we'll have to check them out that's fabulous in writing horror is there got to be some sort of suspense building or yeah I yeah don't... look there's if we have a look at my story the best medicine which I always like to refer to because I wrote this to a formula when I was learning because I was at the time I wrote it, I was like, okay, how do I write a horror story? So I kind of, I think using this one's probably a good example. The formula that I used or the advice that I took was from a lady called Savannah Gilbo. She's in America and she writes blogs on all aspects of writing, not just horror, but on everything. And she did, but one of her blogs was about, you know, what needs to be in a horror story. There are a few points that she brought up, which I applied to this story, The Best Medicine, and I double-checked and said, okay, do I have this? Do I have to have this? The basic run of any horror story is we start off with the monster. We've got to show the monster, okay? In my case, in The Best Medicine, I actually opened with my protagonist, okay? You would think when you read the opening paragraph that my protagonist was the innocent victim here where actually fact she wasn't okay so I've ticked that box um the second one I suppose if I could just jump back I've got two monsters in this story one is the protagonist one the wife and the husband now the story is about a wife who's caring for her brain injured husband after she crashed the car and he banged his head uh, he's now left in her care the story is about her trying to find a way to survive his angry outbursts from his injury and what she has to do to survive that. So she's got him on all these drugs. She's been down through all the doctor's reports now. And throughout the story, I put in the little snippets from what the doctor says, how his emotional swings are going to start spiraling out of control. He's going to lose more memory, lose more faculty. You know, things are just, it's it's just going to be basically bad for him. So her struggle in the story is how to survive that. How does she live every day trying to care for her husband who is mentally and physically declining? From the husband's point of view, he is in a state of huge depression because he is mentally and physically declining and he's aware of that. Now, I've set this story in a remote mountain area. So there's no neighbours. No one can hear them. No one can hear you scream. You know, so I chose that. I've put a walking track in there. 
which is known to have suicide people jump off. So that's another element that I could use to up the tension in there. So well, is one of them going to jump off the cliff because yeah. I've mentioned it, you know. <laughs> so the story sort of goes down. It, well, it starts where she just she just wants to go shopping and get food. But her way of going, her, for her to go shopping is such drama. She's one, she's got to make sure that husband's not going to wander off up the trail and jump off the cliff, okay? Because she loves him very much. They love each other very much, but they're in this horrible situation. So she keeps him fairly drugged. Problem is, if he starts having a meltdown, he gets very violent and he starts accusing and he accuses her of going in to see the butcher, you know, and talking to the butcher because all he wants to eat now is steak and potatoes, you know, nothing else. And I'll have that every single night. So when she's writing out the shopping list, it's steak and potatoes. And maybe I'll eat something while I'm out because, damn, I've got to eat steak and potatoes again. So it's all pretty doom and gloom for her. As we progress through the story, he's triggered by a news report about a missing hiker. And they have hikers in their area who go and walk that track. So there's a missing hiker. Before his accident, yeah, they used to see hikers all the time and maybe rescue some or find some that had fallen off somewhere. So they're well aware of hikers going missing in these woods but again that's a bad news story that could trigger his emotional decline and she doesn't want him to hear that so she's worried already but he's starting to show the signs that he's having a bit of a mental breakdown right now before she goes shopping you know in which he does he starts up and then he gets quite violent and this is where she has to she has already put in place things to help her survive so first she tries to give him drugs to calm him down which doesn't work because he's drinking beer at the same time and it just actually goes backward for her. Then when he gets really violent, she locks herself behind a door, which he's already broken three times. Yeah, and she's hoping that this time will the lock will hold, but it doesn't. So that's another line of defence broken. So she has a third line of defence, and this is where it gets very horrible. Uh, at the end where she has the hiker dressed, the hiker that has gone missing, she has actually caught and drugged him and has him dressed up in her clothes so that when her husband comes in past all those defences that she put up. And this is the final confrontation. He thinks it's her. He kills the guy thinking it's her. But then he's so angry, he passes out and he wakes up remembering nothing, you know. And she has this whole room set up saying, you know, that she says she's renovating and it's got paint down there. It's actually bleach that she uses to remove the body. And the time that she did spend with the butcher was that learning how to cut up a body to remove it and dispose of it and all these things that roll into place. So by the end of the story, you find out that, yes, he's a monster, but she's actually a monster too. Yeah. And that was a twist at the end. But she's doing that to survive. And um, she will remove the body, dispose of the body, get her husband all cleaned up, remove all evidence of the crime and just say, oh, he's, pain- he's passed out from the paint fumes. You know, tuck him back into bed. She'll go into town. All will be good until the next time. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Was it, you know, and yeah, it's twisty. You wouldn't have expected that. <laughs> Very, no, no. And I think that's, that's yeah, that, that was a good twist. That's what won me that, that yeah. story. That's amazing. And all links and everything to your website and these stories and stuff will all be in the show notes for people to find where they can, you know, buy and read. And Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So when I wrote that story and when I was double-checking against Savannah's guidelines on, you know, what needs to go in, we've got can't be reasoned with, okay, it was one 
of them. Yep. She can't reason with the husband when he starts on the, on a downward spiral. The monster's stronger than the protagonist. Okay. Yes. He is physically stronger than her. Even though he's suffered a brain in- injury, he's still twice the size and, you know, it can cause physical harm. So, so that one was ticked off. The sin. This is a good one. The sin. Okay. The sin was that she, was the one who was driving the car and caused his accident. And she feels guilty about that. So that was that one ticked off. The setting, which is isolated. Yes, isolated. No one can hear him. Lives are at stake. Hers and his. Because she has to stop him from killing himself because of his depression. But her life is also at stake because when he goes into a spiral. And the, um, and the hikers. <laughs> and the poor <laughs> hikers. Yeah. Stolen. yeah, the poor hikers. <laughs> the slow reveal of the true monster. Well, that's, yeah, the slow reveal. The, by the time you get to the end, you realise that the true monster is the wife. The false ending, yes, again, we've got that. The shapeshifter, they're both shapeshifters. She changes from the depressed wife to the killing the or catching the hikers, and he's also a shapeshifter because he goes from the loving husband to the to the horrible husband. And then the last one is the ticking clock. You've always got to have a ticking clock. And in this case, it was his medicine. He's spiraling down the medicine's not working and she's got five seconds to get out of that room or she's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so using those things and you can look up Savannah's site and learn absolutely stacks from her. She's just yeah. brilliant. Uh, they were important. They just help, you know, be, yeah. bring these things together. I guess the only other thing then is, you know, you've created the atmosphere, you've ticked all those boxes. Word choice, again, is crucial and that's where reading widely will really help you know don't call it red red lipstick call it blood red lipstick me and an editor discussed once yeah things like that (laughs) yeah no that is amazing no so i think it is good to sort of start with even a checklist or a framework that someone coming into it who who doesn't really know but thinks that they know a little bit and to you know work as a guideline uh before like you said experimenting and playing with the the stories to 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 be a little bit different and twisty i think in any story story whether it be horror or any story there does need to be some kind of structure there um, for the story purposes there's got to be a goal there's got to be progressive complications there's to be a turning point decisions made and you know the outcome of that at the end and somewhere in all that the your main your main character has to have changed they've got to have gone through a change there's no point having a story if there's no change and yeah so that's just the guts of any story that you should also apply to whatever john you you write yeah no that's incredible thank you that's the challenge Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. That's that's absolutely great. We're going to obviously, you know, look up the best medicine and and the rest of your work. But what can we expect from Pauline Yates in the future? Have you got more stories on the go? You know, you mentioned a novel way at the start. Have you? I do. Yeah. Okay. So um, here I'm thinking I've got nothing to do. No, I'm actually really, (laughs) really busy at the moment. So currently right now, judging the, I've just started judging the Australian Shadows awards so i get the stories in i've got a lot of reading to do i'm just loving it at the moment that will take me right through till march so lots of reading for me to be done <laughs> on the writing front i've got another story coming out i think maybe towards the end of this month it, it would fall in the horror genre it's probably more more spooky supernatural kind of kind of horror i really like this story it's with a publisher i've been with before redwood press and yeah i just i've had one story come out with them last year put out the call for another anthology this year 
uh, it's titled Superstition. Yeah, I just couldn't resist. I thought, yeah, I've got to put another story in with her because she was so great to work with. I'm really lucky the publishers I have worked with in the past and over the years, they've all been fantastic to work with. I've just learned so much from them. Um, so she's one. Um, cited that I have the IFWG. Yep. publishing <laughs> which i always thought was just way out of my league i sold them a story that will come out last uh next year sometime so very excited about that one uh and i've got another it's not a spec fic it's probably more a more a fantasy type story coming out with another publisher but that's in production at the moment so i can't say too much more about that one so yeah mm-hmm. they're probably my biggest story my biggest short stories coming out uh in the meantime i keep writing drabbles black hair press <laughs> i absolutely love that <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> That's that's my monthly addiction. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I really do enjoy that. Well, it's me and I've just done, I'm in a writing contest at the moment with the NYC. This was really funny because uh, I wasn't going to sign up for it. Um, it's only the flash fiction. It's usually my favourite because it's only flash fiction, which is up to a thousand words and you get two days to write it. And I thought, no, look, you know, I just don't have time to do it. But then I won a free entry into it. You know? So I thought, okay, fine, I'll do it. Well, the first that's genre the I got was hard. Yeah, the first genre I got was horror. Yes. <laughs> so that was cool. And so I got through the first round. I think it came second second in my group with that one. Uh, the second, uh, then because it, it was in two rounds, the second one was I had to write a spy story. And I thought, oh, okay, it was really funny when I wrote this spy story because it was, un- it was it had to include an underwater cave and it had sharks in it. And I ended up um, having the sharks eat everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I kind of went down the horror path too far, and I thought, "No, this is a spy story. They can't actually die." And uh, yeah, that's a that's not in horror. Yes, anything can die in a spy story. No, actually, they don't. Not necessarily. Not all the time. So I had to edit that uh, and have it that they didn't die. They did survive the shark uh, the shark attack, and all was happy. So I got I think fifth place with that one. But that was enough to put me through into the semifinals, uh, which was only maybe a couple of weekends ago. Uh, that one I had to write a drama and I chose to write a, a Western. Uh, I, I, I love Western stories. Yeah. <laughs> I love Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is my idol. Anything that he yeah. produces or plays in. Yeah, I love it. So he was my muse that weekend. So I'm keeping fingers crossed that Clint comes through for me and it gets me into the final. That would be just great. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll cross our fingers as well, but I don't think you'll need yeah. it. That's insane. So, oh, no, yes, you know, sometimes, yeah. And then I guess uh, the really big news I've got is my debut novel coming out next Ooh. year. <laughs> um, which I'm so excited about because everything I've done has led to this point. Now, again, I don't want to say too much about that at this stage because we're still in the production process of that, but it's a young adult sci-fi. It has a lot of dark elements in it. It's not necessarily hom- horror. I set this at young adult. It, it leans more towards young, out, yeah, young adult because of the themes through it, uh, friendship and family, found family and friendships. And it's pretty cool. Look, I absolutely love this story i'm so pleased that was picked up uh and it comes out next year and so in the meantime amongst all these other things i'm doing i'm working on the sequel because i have a sequel plus three others so 
fingers crossed it goes well next year because if it does then I anticipate the next five years I'll be spending writing the yeah. sequels so ah that's amazing congratulations that's thank so you. good thank we'll you. have to keep an eye out for that as well well obviously oh, you got a lot of stories out there getting published and obviously a debut novel with um all sort of traditional representation as this is a hybrid author podcast have you ever considered you know maybe putting out your own anthology or you know in the future possibly, I have, look uh, I, I, independent publishing I have considered it but I don't feel I'm experienced enough and I also I need someone to have my back so I think for me to self-publish yeah I, I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do that because yeah. there's so many aspects in that publishing world that I'm not aware of you know I'd really kind of like the security of someone behind me saying no we're not going to do that no don't do that or no you got to do it this way um I think I'd only you only get one shot at it and I wouldn't want to muck it up I'm <laughs> <laughs> pretty good so I think I'd if I was going to self-publish I think I'd bring in a lot of people that I know on board to help me do that I have often thought of collecting all my all my horror stories um, because now I've got a good collection of them and putting those together in an anthology I've only been thinking about this recently and thought maybe not next year maybe the year after once these other stories come out and then I'm clear of all contracts and stuff um so maybe a couple of years down the track I might pull all these stories into a into an anthology just so they're all together yeah you know which would be nice yeah, um because I've got plenty I've got enough now uh to do a, a collection it would be nice to play around rearrange arranging them so to speak you know and using the drabbles using some of the drabbles in between the bigger ones and yeah so that's a thought I, yeah. I think if I was going to self-publish I would do that uh when it came to my novel yeah I really would like someone to have my back on that but and I'm hoping that maybe this hoping this one will go well and that you will just smooth my path for the next lot yeah. that comes through yeah that's um, it <laughs> yeah who knows I'll just get the first one out first it was always get the first one done first and worry about the others later so that's it oh <laughs> yeah. no that's incredible and also I suppose you know you know once they take off as well and you you might be interested in putting out your anthology or another book you can also you know award-winning author of <laughs> you know the other books yeah, that, that you traditionally nice. publish actually, <laughs> yeah it's actually win an award yeah <laughs> I have my little I have my little plaque up there with from the Australian horror writers. It's got Frankenstein on it. He sits above my desk and glares at me, and often check in with him. How are we doing, buddy? You know? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. sounds uh, sounds like you're on your way, Pauline, for sure. But um, well, I'm on my way somewhere. I don't know where it will lead me, but anyway, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun ride <laughs> down a dark path. <laughs> somewhere yeah. somewhere uh, well thank you so much for your time and expertise it's been absolutely amazing um so many great tips and advice and just wonderful on horror there can you tell our listeners where they can discover you and your work you know online offline and, oh, sure. yeah. so you'll find me i've got a website it's um paulineyates.com you will find all my work there, all my stories there. I actually kind of kind of use that website more to remind myself where everything is. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a, you know, a bit of a filing cabinet there. So um, yes, I do have that. I've got links to everything there. A lot of my stories you can read for free. A lot of them are in anthologies, and if you buy the anthology, great because that keeps the publishers alive too. Um, I've got the, any interviews I've done with the various publishers are all on there. Yeah, all bits and pieces, little bits and pieces on. <laughs> I try and keep it up to date. You can follow me on Twitter at Midnight Muser One. And I think that's all and on Inst- oh, Instagram. I've only just started an Instagram account. I'm getting I'm getting more experienced here. <laughs> <laughs> so, follow me on Instagram at Midnight yeah. Muser One too. So oh. but 
All my link, all my links are on my website. I've got everything nice and neat in one of those link tree little things, and you'll yeah. find me everywhere there. You find me on Goodreads, find me on Bookbub, you find me on Amazon. Yeah, with all my books. So yeah, yeah. well, not my books, but my publisher's books. I'm just in a lot of them. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is amazing! Thank you so much, Pauline. Thank you so much for having me. So there you have it, folks. The absolutely astounding and inspiring, amazing Pauline Yates sharing so much in the horror genre. Watch out for Pauline's debut novel coming out at the start of next year. So we're very excited for that. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have multi-award winning psychologist Peter Quarry on making peace with the past and re-energizing for the future. So happy Halloween when it comes, folks. I wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it from me. Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.